Sports Radio welcomes you to the Lion's Den with your hosts, Michael Heiger and Louis Bellotta. Oh, yes, you are listening to the Lion's Den here on Impact Sports. How's it going, everybody? I'm your host, Michael Heiger, joined by my co-host every week, Chris Bogus. Hey, Heiger, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, Chris. How about yourself? Oh, it's all right, despite the weather. Yeah, the weather's not too great today, but it's all good. Still, beautiful day to talk about some football. And uh, you may have noticed our other co-host, Lewis, is not on the air with us today. He had to make a trip down to Washington, D.C., but he will be back with us on next week's edition of the Lion's Den. But Chris and I are here to debate a little bit, to discuss a little bit, and to recap the Lions' big victory over their rival, Minnesota Vikings, 17-3. We're also going to talk about some injuries that the team has suffered, do a little discussion on new kicker Matt Prater. Is he for real? Is he the kicker that missed a couple field goals or the kicker that made a 52-yarder? And we'll also talk a little bit about the playoff picture and recap and preview next week's matchup with the New Orleans Saints. So we got a lot to talk about on the show today, and we're going to get right into it with the recap of the Lions' 17-3 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, the Lions went out to an early lead when Chris's boy Theo Riddick got the first <laughs> touchdown of the game, 7-0. What did you see out of Theo there? Uh, good to see him out on the field finally. Yeah, we saw what we've been hearing all offseason. We saw what we needed to see, and uh, it's kind of exciting. He's yeah. backing it up. He's backing it up. Chris, the second he scored that touchdown, I texted you. There you go. Finally out on the field. We haven't seen him out much out there. Of course, Reggie Bush was out with an injury, so gave Reddick uh, more chances for carries, which was good to see. And he was able to get that nine-yard touchdown catch from Matthew Stafford. So uh, that was it for the scoring in the first quarter. And then uh, at the end of the second quarter, leading into halftime, Matthew Prater, the new Lions kicker, kicked a 52-yard field goal. Chris, first thoughts. First thoughts, thank God that he kicked a 52-yard field goal. Um, that's something that us Lions fans have gone without, but I'm a little nervous because he missed those two, but it was windy in Minnesota. So it was. maybe we can give him a second to uh, reclaim his uh, Pro Bowl ticket from last year. Uh, I'm giving him a shot for real. I, don't, I think I'm going to give Prater the whole year. I don't think he'll fail us. We can't we can't just hire another kicker. It's gotta it's gotta happen. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. It's we're gonna go get a little bit into more is there any risk involved with Matt Prater? It, are the two misses something to be nervous about as he only did miss one field goal last year. So we'll talk a little bit later about that. But th- there was no scoring in the third quarter. But going into the fourth quarter, Joey Bell got a one-yard touchdown run to give the Lions a 17-0 lead. Everything looked safe from there, and the Vikings were finally able to get up on the scoreboard with a 40-yard field goal from Blair Walsh to make the game 17-3, and that's where the scores stood. The Lions were able to come out with a 17-3 victory, not giving up an, not giving up a touchdown to the Minnesota Vikings. Chris, I want to know your first impressions, what impressed you the most, and in every win, there is always still something that you come out of it a little worried about. I wanted to know your thoughts on what maybe what were the positives and what were some negatives that you saw? Um, negatives, as far as the defense, I didn't see 
any. Not one negative that I could talk about personally. They got after Teddy Bridgewater, play after play, sacked him, I believe, eight times, three interceptions. They were all over him all game, just completely obliterated him. Ziggy Ansah, oh man, what a game. He just destroyed their line. Um, everyone had a tackle. Tier Whitehead had two interceptions, seven tackles. DeAndre Levy, uh, five tackles. Ziggy Ansah, uh, like I said earlier, four tackles, two and a half sacks. Everyone got in there. Everyone hit the quarterback. Everyone hit the running back. Again, not a 100 rush yard game for the opponent. The Lions are holding it down. The only thing I'm disappointed about was that there was not a goose egg under Minnesota's name at the end of the game. You mentioned Tahir Whitehead, and what a pleasant surprise he's been because after Tolik went down with that freak injury, tearing his ACL, I was worried because Tolik was the leader on that defense. You could have talked about Sue being one of the better players, but Tolik was the leader on that defense. And when he went down, it worried me because you need a middle linebacker if you're going to hold down that front seven. And Whitehead's done a great job in getting those two picks was a real positive sign from him. You've seen a lot of these players on now the Lions' number one NFL defense stepping up, and we've seen a lot of pleasant surprises, and I think Tahir Whitehead is right in the front of that class. When when you look at Detroit's defensive stats of 13.7 points per game allowed, first in the league, 270.7 yards allowed, first in the league, all of these first, 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 um, and you're, you you say to yourself, Tolaku, well, you know, it didn't really matter. It doesn't matter. It still doesn't matter. We've gone about four, ga- four or five games without him, and it, it hasn't affected the team at all. Chris, I was wondering from you, because, of course, the Lions' defense has been an unbelievably pleasant surprise, and but probably the main reason why the Lions are first in the NFC North, because the offense has not impressed me at all. They've really underwhelmed me. But with this defense, I want to know, is it more the talent that's out there on the field for you or the coaching? Well, the coaches came into a very good situation, I would say. You you come you get hired. If if the Lions came to you and, and said, Oh, would you like to coach this team? I have Sue Ansa, DeAndre Levy just coming off a should have been Pro Bowl season. You know, all these great players. It's it's remarkable that Jim Schwartz didn't have the number one defense last year. But on the other side, you see what a great coaching staff can do for your team and just take you all the way up to the top of the charts. It's, I would say 50-50, but if it was all players, then we would have been, uh, the Lions would have been number one last year, but they're not. So you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. I'm a firm belief that if a coach deserved a coordinator of the year award at this point of the season, starting to reach the midpoint of the season – you have to give it to Terrell Austin, the new defensive coordinator. Because he's done an absolutely unbelievable job finding the talent out there. We've seen it from Tahir Whitehead, who's been able to step in. Issa abdul Kadus even has been able to step in. I just love that name, by the way. <laughs> uh, we've seen it from the secondary. Look at the improvement, the unbelievable improvement from Darius Slay. Remarkable. George Johnson, another guy who many Lions fans hadn't heard of before the season had even started. And here's another guy who's stepping in and making a large impact in that defensive line. And what I think is most visible of the line's success is the depth that they have. We didn't really see a lot of that depth with Schwartz in there, but the line's new coaching staff has been able to cycle guys in and out of the game and keep their linemen fresh, keep their linebackers fresh. And I think that's made a real large impact on why 
this defense has been able to be so successful. The guys aren't on the field for every single snap. Ziggy Ansah only saw 49% of defensive snaps last week. Really? Actually, and so when I saw that, I was very surprised. But you have to look at it and say, maybe this is why they're putting up better numbers. They're not out on the field the entire game. They're getting they're getting their reps, but they're staying fresh on the sidelines as well. Yeah, Ziggy Ansah gets to tag out with Jason Jones and this man, George Johnson, and everyone is contributing. Every single player is contributing. I think George Johnson has the most sacks on the team with like six, averaging a sack a game. And you're like, George Johnson who? Who is he? Nobody knows. Ziggy Ansah, uh, first-round draft pick, is doing exactly what the Lions need him to do. And it's just it's incredible that the the Lions defense was able to make a name for themselves. Absolutely. If you had told me the Lions would be ranked ahead of the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, the Carolina Panthers, Cincinnati Bengals, they're ahead of all those defenses right now. Yep. New England Patriots, you could throw them in there. The Lions are the number one defense in the NFL today. And it's something that's kind of tough to wrap your head around. Because when you think of the Detroit Lions, you think offense, you think Matthew Stafford, you think Reggie Bush, Calvin Johnson. You don't really think of the DeAndre Levy's, Darius Slays of the world. And so when you see these guys stepping in and giving the Lions, really giving the Lions the victories, because Lions only scored 17 points in this game. Last year, Lions score 17 points, you lose. Yep. Almost any single, almost every single game's game that the Lions scored fewer than 20 points last year, they lost. And you don't really see the defense giving up three points, even to a team like the Minnesota Vikings. It's it's another interesting thing is that it's not a fluke. The well, I, you know, I don't want to jinx the team, but they have come up against Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton. You know, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't impressive, but he lit up the Falcons, so you had to take them a little seriously. Uh, we can uh, the, the Lions contained C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson on the Buffalo Bills. We lost, but. The you know it, it was done and they have faced teams and next week against the Saints is is where the test will truly be taken. I have to admit I was a little skeptical following the Green Bay Packers when when they only gave up seven points. Is this for real? Is this the real Lions defense? But that's when I started to get those thoughts up in my head because you didn't really notice it until that week three game. And then you see them only giving up 17 points to Buffalo, even though the offense wasn't able to step up, yeah. and now only giving up three points to Minnesota. I am a firm belief now that this defense is for real, and it's really going to show the next two weeks to see if they are for real, going against two really tough offensive opponents in the Saints and the Falcons. This defense is carrying the team, and it needs to be taken seriously. Just some numbers I wanted to throw out there. Teddy Bridgewater, 23 completions for only 188 yards and three picks, zero touchdowns. Running back Matt Asiata who had been excellent the two weeks previous, two carries, negative five yards. Yikes. They completely held him down. And only a lot, and only giving the Vikings 18 chances to carry the ball. I thought Corderell Patterson was a guy who was dynamic enough where he could find some holes in the Lions defense, but he only had one carry for two yards and two catches for 15 yards. He he was held silent completely the entire game. transparent. It's it's the sixth week in a row the Lions have held their opponent under eighty five rushing yards. Mm-hmm. It's you can't beat you can't beat a team if you cannot run the ball successfully. Absolutely, and I think we've seen it a lot. And I think the Lions have 
have at least two more losses on that schedule if they have the defense of last year. Because you're not winning games on the offensive side of the ball right now. You're getting touchdowns early, and you're taking early leads, which I think is important. But you're not really seeing a lot of production throughout the game on this offense. And so is that something that worries you a little bit moving forward, where maybe the defense is going to get exposed a little bit and the offense is going to continue its woes? I I truly I am starting to worry about the offense, and it all starts with the offensive line. It looked it looked terrible against the Vikings, a, a Vikings defense that isn't, you know, completely overwhelming. But they d- annihilated Matthew Stafford, knocking him down every other play, getting a sack, and the offensive line needs to come together. And Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush need to start getting these hundred-yard games. Otherwise, Matt Stafford is just gonna. He's going to be exposed. He's Luckily, Matt Stafford hasn't made that many. He's actually improved, hasn't made that many mistakes, and he's controlling the ball better under, so far, probably his worst circumstances behind that line. He cannot trust himself or his receivers on his routes because he's just scared. Yeah, I think they need to get right tackle figured out. Legion Waddle still doesn't look 100% healthy. I still don't trust Riley Reef over there on the left side of the line either. So they need to get some of these kinks worked out on the line. But you gave you give up four sacks to the Minnesota Vikings, five quarterback hits on Stafford. Here's a guy you need to keep healthy because if he gets out, your season's probably over. I know we're talking about how he hasn't been great this season, but he's still the most important player on this football team. And if you're giving up four or five sacks a game, that's not giving him that's not giving him opportunities to stay healthy. And it's- we and we've seen it throughout the past couple of weeks. You've seen him limping off the field, shaking his hand. He's getting beat up out there. And I put that all on the offensive line. All of it goes on the offensive line. And a great example of what the failures of an offensive line can do to your team is the New York Giants last year. Eli Manning was non-existent last year, and he looked terrible, throwing more interceptions and touchdowns, I believe, and just getting beat up all year. And their team was the bottom of their division, very close to the bottom of the league, and they didn't do well. Luckily, the Lions have a defense to pull them out of that, and if the line doesn't turn it around, it's going to be really tough for this team to make it into the playoffs. I will say one thing that I saw from the Lions this week that I haven't seen in previous weeks was the rushing game. You saw Joey Bell going out there. Even though Reggie Bush was out, he didn't play. Hopefully we'll see him soon, but Joey Bell... 18 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. That's the kind of production I like to see from my running backs. 4.1 yards per carry. It's always good to see them finally getting over that 4 yards per carry. Week after week, we've seen Bell, Bush, running for for about 3.5, 3 yards per carry. So to see Bell finally eclipse that, I know we haven't seen a 100-yard rushing game out of him yet um, in recent weeks, but I think this is a really good, Good sign for improvement on the if, rushing attack. If the Lions want to get the offensive side of the ball going, they need to trust their run game. If the if the team is having a hard time pass blocking, then you know what? Switch it up. Maybe they're more downhill blockers. Maybe they're more chase their blocks down. and you know Maybe they're a quicker line. The run game worked last year, and the line is the same as last year. Larry Warford was 15 yards down the field pancaking people last year. Maybe that's where the Lions need to go. Maybe the Lions should 
honed their running game and all the skills they have in the backfield, all these weapons in Joyke Bell, Reggie Bush, Theo Riddick, George Wynn. George Wynn, I, I would put him as a weapon. I think he's good, especially when he, you know, the way he hits the hole, it's it's quite impressive. 3.2 yards a carry, that's, that's not bad. If the Lions offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi can understand that the, the run game, when depended on, can open up the passing game and play action, the Lions could be pretty scary with that defense. A guy I would love to see the Lions use a little more on offense and utilize his speed a little more and his playmaking ability is Jeremy Ross. Yes. You see him a lot on kick returns and punt returns, but this past week, one catch, eight yards, uh, targeted three times, but I would love to see Stafford throw him the ball a little more. Um, you saw more throws to Corey Fuller. I would, I'd, I'd like to see Jeremy Ross get a fair share of throws because I think that he has that playmaking ability where he could break a couple tackles and possibly even get in the end zone or get a 20, 30 yards after the catch. He's a guy that could do that, and I'd love to see him. I know he's not at the same skill level as Devin Hester, but I'd love to see him in a Devin Hester-type role on this offense. It, 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 something that I believe is Matthew Stafford's weakness is the fact that he always stares down his number one receiver <laughs> And uh, like us as as fans and critics, we see that Golden Tate, who was the number two, is now the number one, and he's seeing the ball every other play. Seven, he had seven receptions, but he had almost just as many drops. Matthew Stafford is force feeding him the ball, and it's it's killing him. Whereas you got all these weapons, Eric Ebron's only getting two receptions, Corey Fuller two receptions, Jeremy Ross one. If Matthew Stafford spread the ball around, it, it would be it would be devastating to a defense to not know who to cover. Matthew Stafford would be a better weapon if he could do this, just like Phillip Rivers is doing for the Chargers. You don't know who he's going to pass it to. Antonio Gates, Eddie Royal, Keenan Allen, Malcolm Floyd. It, it's Or Peyton Manning over in Denver. He's got Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, Julian Thomas. It's because they spread the ball around, whereas Matthew Stafford hones in on this number one receiver de facto number one in Golden Tate, and it, it shadows everyone else. It'd be great to see Jeremy Ross get the ball more because he's a very consistent player. I think he always ends up making plays in every game, whether that be punting or a big catch for a first down. Well, you brought up exactly that is Golden Tate is a de facto number one right now. Do you think in order for the Lions to solve these issues of having a bit of a one-dimensional offense, not really spreading the ball out, they need Calvin Johnson back out on the field? Well, if Calvin Johnson was back out on the field, their offense would automatically get better, yeah. But the fact that they have so many weapons, it would make Calvin Johnson that much better and Matthew Stafford that much better if um, he spread the ball around. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, Jim Caldwell saying in his most recent press conference that Calvin Johnson, they might hold out until after the bye week, until week 10. And um, against... A couple of defenses that are pretty mediocre in New Orleans or and Atlanta, but you still want to see Calvin out there on the field. And what I think that Caldwell is getting to, though, is I think that they would rather have a Calvin Johnson who is 100% healthy than somebody who is more of a decoy out there on the field. And obviously, he didn't play this past week, and I think that was the right decision by Caldwell and the coaching staff. If he's not 100% healthy, I don't want him out there on the field. Even if he's 80 90% healthy, he's still your best player on the team. And you don't want to see him re-aggravate that injury, which we did see a couple weeks ago against Buffalo. He went out there on the field. I don't think he should have been out there. And he re-injures his ankle. Do you think it's the right decision by the Lions 
if he isn't 100%, let's say he is more 70 or 80%, to hold Johnson out until after the bye week. I think the coaches are in a great position to do that exact move, is to, to hold him out, because they can rely on the defense. You know, if the defense can carry them this far, sit absolutely sit Kelvin, because then the lines will be that much better when he comes back. Rely on your run game. Rely on your first-round draft pick. Rely on your big free agent signing in Golden Tate. Let your number one sit and get better so that when you close out the year against two Bears games, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Packers at Lambeau, you have Megatron back and you can dominate. And you mentioned something. You said to rely on all these options, including your first-round draft pick. But the problem is they're not doing that. And we didn't see it against Minnesota, even with Calvin Johnson out. Ebron, Eric Ebron, two catches, 23 yards. You really didn't, he was invisible most of the game. And he's going to continue to be invisible until you start throwing him the ball more. And I think that here's a guy who could be a legitimate threat on offense. We've seen him where he has been open on some plays, but Stafford is locking in on his other guys. And so I think Joe Lombardi needs to get it through Stafford's head that, there are other guys out there on the field that can make big plays, including Eric Ebron. And I think if they were to throw Ebron the ball more often, you could see a lot more big playmaking ability from this offense. I think that Joe Lombardi, not not Matthew Stafford specifically, I think Joe Lombardi needs to get it through his head that, you know, there's not only one person that can make a play on the team per play. You know, they have these plays designed so that Golden Tate gets the ball, so that Calvin gets the ball. But Joe Lombardi, you know, this is his first year as an offensive coordinator. He needs to understand that, like, how well the lines looked when they were just pounding the ball on the Vikings in the fourth quarter with Joyke Bell. They looked great. And then it takes away, and you can throw that quick slant to jo- uh, to Golden Tate or, you know, that streak to Eric Ebron in the end zone. You know, it's the plays ha- the offensive plays have to open up in order to see Ebron's true potential and I'm still not going to doubt him just yet. I think Joe Lombardi needs to come into his own and and understand how it works. I still don't think he's fully grasped his job yet. All right. Well, I wanted to put a bit of the recap to bed now and touch a little bit on something that we don't really talk about often on the show. We really focus on on the kick on the Lions kicking game, but I wanted to make it more broad and talk about the Lions special teams. More specifically, Matt Prater and Sam Martin. Um, And I'm going to start with Sam Martin. Sam Martin, we saw seven punts from him, 341 net yards on those punts. Good for an average of 48 yards. uh, Two of them inside the 20, along a 63, a 63-yard punt for Martin. Is he one of the top punters in the NFL now? Absolutely. I think Sam Martin is so great, and the way that the Lions play field position, my high school football coach always used to say punt is one of the most important plays in the entire game when Sam Martin's able to punt the ball 63 yards the opposing team will always have their back to the end zones and the defense will always have that in their favor that's one Sam Martin is one of the uh, reasons the defense is doing so well absolutely I think Sam Martin is probably one of the most unheralded players on the team this season he we used a fifth round pick on him last year and I was a little questioning on whether the Lions should have used that pick on a punter but now you actually see the production that he's actually able to make. And when you're pinning when you're pinning your opponents inside the twenty, inside the ten, even inside the five, that gives so much that puts so much less on the defense's shoulders where suddenly the opponent's offense is backed up on their own side of the field. And 
it, that's just more and more yards that you have to gain in order to get into the red zone. And I think this has helped big time on the defense being able to step up, puts a lot more pressure on them. Suddenly they're not starting drives on um, the other 40 or the 50, but more inside the 20 and the 10. And I think Sam Martin is probably one of the most unheralded players of the Lions. He's the punter. He doesn't get a lot of credit. But he really is one of the top two or three punters in the NFL now. Yeah, he's got to be top five, absolutely. And like you said, he's a punter, so he won't get that sort of recognition. But the players realize it, and the special teams coaches realize it. And I bet you he gets a lot of love in the locker room because he just does a great job. Well, one guy who I'm not sure does get a lot of love and hasn't gotten a lot of love the past couple of seasons is the Lions kicker. And, of course, (laughs) this was the first game of Matt Prater Probably one of the most anticipated debuts for kicker in Lions history, possibly NFL history. Matt Prater comes out there, misses his first field goal. We're all going nuts. What's going on? Is this guy actually for real? Comes out, does make a 52-yard field goal, but also kicks another field goal off the upright. What Matt Prater are we going to see throughout the rest of the season? The guy who missed two field goals or the guy who made a 52-yarder going into the half? This man is coming off a little rusty, so you got to give him some time to shake the rust off. Also, playing his first game, so he could have been a little nervous. You know, I'm trying to make up a bunch of excuses, but mm-hmm. that's just because I don't know how to treat situations like this. I'm I'm a Lions fan used to Jason Hansen. I'm it's it's kind of scary not being able to depend on your kicker. You don't know what you're going to get, but I think Matt Prater will bounce back, and we'll see the true Matt Prater next week against the Saints. I believe he'll hit every one of his field goals in a dome, no wind, second game. He'll come He'll he'll come to it. He'll do it. Well, Chris, I do agree with you. I do hope that we do see the best out of Prater. We weren't able to have you on for our Prater podcast when Prater did sign, but I did address with Lewis that I see Prater as a real high-risk signing. Not just because he's the Lions kicker, but because of all the problems he's had in the past. He's one, he's one positive test away, one positive substance test away from being suspended the rest of the season. And to you, do the risks outweigh the reward or the other way around? Oh, God. That's, that's, that's not easy, to be honest. I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. The Lions are comp- very desperate. And if Matt Prater were to be so selfish to do something like that and put the Lions in a situation where they're without a kicker again, he'll be chased out of town. He'll be chased out of town, and the Lions will be without a kicker for the fourth time in one season. It's it's a joke, and I don't believe Matt Prater would do that. I would like to believe he wouldn't do that. Well, Chris, it's funny. You brought up Jason Hansen earlier, and that's actually going to go to my next question because Jim Caldwell addressed that Lion that. J- Hanson contacted the Lions, told them, I'm here, I'm ready to kick, bring me in, I want to come back. And probably would have been one of the biggest unretirements in Detroit sports history to see Jason Hanson come back. Jim Caldwell, the coaching staff, the front office, told Hanson straight up, no, we don't want you to risk injury, which confuses me a little bit because here's the guy who wants to come out of retirement he's a kicker you don't really see a lot of injury risk with kickers do you think the lines are just making an excuse for not wanting to bring Hanson in and wanting Prater or do you think that they were legitimately concerned about bringing Hanson in I think maybe they they thought they had a better option in Prater with his his campaign last year and 
I think maybe signing Hansen would be, you know, going back like they would look even more desperate than before if they were to get a new kicker. But going back and in a Favre-esque fashion, signing uh, a retired kicker back to the team, they would look weaker. I, you know, it's it's kind of confusing. Injury's kind of a that's a weak excuse, but I think a lot of Lions fans would have been excited to see Jason Hansen come back. Yeah, I mean, I think that would have been. Even though a lot of Lions fans were happy to see Prater come in, I think even more Lions fans would have been happy to see Hanson come in. Here's the hometown hero, the guy who everyone has wanted to come back ever since we've had these kicking woes, ever since the Lions have had these kicking woes. And I think it would have been nice to see Hanson out there, but here's a guy who also hasn't kicked in two years. And I think that's what worried the Lions more than anything. When you're a kicker, you have a routine, and it's really tough to get back into that routine. And I think we saw it with Prater the other day, he had, he hadn't kicked in since the postseason last year. It's been longer than usual since for him being out. So I think he was also just shaking off some rust a little bit. But I think it would take Hanson a little longer being out for two years. And yeah, he's old. I don't know how much of a difference that would make with his kicking ability. I don't think it would make much. But I wasn't I wasn't really buying the whole injury risk. I think that was more BS. Yeah. I would say BS as well. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get into another topic that Chris, I know you wanted to talk about today, and I think it's going to stir up a little bit of debate. And it's looking at the playoff picture because here we're reaching, we're at week six now. We're, it's, we're, we just passed week six. We're reaching week seven. And your Lions are four and two. Oh, yeah. And a four and two record, believe it or not, is good enough for a playoff spot if the season were to end today. The third seed. Third seed in the playoffs. Just shy of a bye week. Mm-hmm. And right they, right now they are the third seed. First week in the wild card round, if the season ended today, the Lions would be playing the San Francisco 49ers. That is an ugly, ugly draw for being a third seed in a playoff game. You think so? I think it is. I think the San Francisco 49ers have the potential to reach the Super Bowl still. And I don't think we've seen the full force of that 49ers defense. Navarro Bowman is still going to be coming back. The 49ers offense, I'm a little weary about, but I don't think you want to play the 49ers in the playoffs. I, I, will, I would say that their offense is better. Than, well, well, yeah, the, the defense is riddled with injuries. Absolutely. You know, they're not, I'm not an expert on the Niners, but they have a lot of offensive weapons as well. Anquan Bolden, Stevie Johnson, Michael Crabtree, Frank Gore, Carlos Hyde. Colin Kaepernick himself is a dual threat. Yeah, it'd be scary. But I would put the Lions defense against any team in the NFL. Would you? Yes, I would. So I'm gonna read off the I'm gonna read off the other teams in the playoffs right now, and you tell me, yes or no? Can the defense hold up? Number one seed Philadelphia Eagles. Yes. You you really think so? With Shady McCoy, Darren Sproles will be back from injury by then. Um, Nick Foles, I know, is, hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but that Eagles defense has been dominant. And I think that they could dominate over the Lions' offense. You really don't think so? I, the, I have a lot of praise for the Lions' defense. And the fact that the Seahawks made it to the Super Bowl last year with a dominant defense, dominated the best offense in the Denver Broncos, I could see the Lions doing something like that. Okay, fair enough. I'll go to, I'll go to number two then. Uh, Lions' Week 11 opponent, but right now they are the second seed in the playoffs, the 4-1 and Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I believe they could beat the Cardinals for sure. You, the Cardinals are a team that have given the Lions 
<laughs> a lot of trouble the past couple of years. They beat the Lions last year. You think that the Lions could really hold up against the Arizona Cardinals? They lost last year on a fluke on a Jim Schwartz football team. Now, when when the Lions come to play the Arizona Cardinals, Patrick Peterson will, yeah, okay, he'll guard Calvin Johnson. And Tyron Matthew will be over there. And uh, who's going to get Golden Tate? Who's going to get Reggie? You know, it, there's just there's going to be a mismatch. It's The Lions are in position to dominate the NFC. With the Seahawks falling behind, I know they're only behind a game, but the Lions are in great position once Megatron gets back to completely dominate the NFC. So do you believe then, even though we saw the Lions lose 24-7 to the Carolina Panthers in Week 2, they're also right there in the playoffs. They're probably in the worst division in football right now. They'll probably make the playoffs, even with their 3-2-1 and record right now. They're still in position. You really think the Lions could come back and turn around and figure out the mistakes they made against Carolina? Week two in Carolina, that that game was weird kind of to me. And I, I think the Lions, it, it's it's tricky. It's That's why we shouldn't be talking about the playoffs this early in the season. But With a 4-2 and two record, though, you got to start thinking about it. I don't want to just come here and say, oh, the defense, the defense, the defense, because that's all I really want to say. But when the offense comes around, they are better than the Panthers' offense. They are better than the Cowboys' offense, who has DeMarco Murray. Yeah, DeMarco Murray would get – he would get shut down by the Lions' defense. They have not allowed over 80 yards rushing per game this whole season, and I don't think they ever will. I can't see a running back that will. I believe if you're the Lions, you need to have home field advantage that first wild card round. Otherwise, you're going to get bounced. I don't see them winning – on the road, a playoff game. You saw what happened against the Saints a couple of years ago. I know the teams are different. The defense is much improved, but the offense is also down a little bit. And I think you need to be able to host a playoff game if you want to come out and actually make it to the second round. And then after the second round, anything could happen. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying I see the Lions going to the Super Bowl by any means, but I think that they actually do with the defense now where they can compete in any game and any team that they could play. And I think that's what's different than the Lions teams of the past. I've said, even when the Lions have contended for a playoff spot and even haven't made it, that the Lions wouldn't be able to make it out of the first round because they really didn't have the defense. And in the playoffs, you need that defense. And we saw from the Seahawks last year, yeah, their offense was dynamic as well, but I see the Lions could, I see the Lions as possibly being able to mirror that Seattle Seahawks team. They're able to do exactly what the Seahawks did number one rushing defense in the league, and Darius Slay has not let up yet. And the the game against the Panthers, there was three or four turnovers, and it was just an awkward game to watch. And it was kind of – oh, and also three or four missed field goals by Alex Henry – or Nate Freeze at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Matt Prater hopefully comes through, and those extra three, six, nine points per game from the kicker, that'll make a difference. If if the Lions had made their kicks in all their games, the, mar- the margin – from uh, beating them would have been bigger by at least six or nine points. I'll admit I didn't see the Lions with a four and two record coming in at to this point of the season. I remember what you said, Higer. But I think these next two games against the Saints and the Falcons, two real dynamic offenses. It's going to be a real telling story of which Lions team we're going to see through the second half of the season following the bye week. And going into the bye week, if you can get wins, I. I would like to see the Lions win at least one of these games. At least one of the two. 
If the Lions are able to come out with two victories against the Saints and the Falcons, they're 6-2 and two heading into their bye week and going into week 10 against the matchup with the Dolphins, which is also a winnable game. So I think if you come out of this these next two weeks against the Saints and the Falcons with two wins, I think you're in prime position for a playoff spot. Absolutely. Well, I did want to preview a little bit next week's game against the New Orleans Saints. On Sunday at 1 o'clock, the Lions will be hosting the Saints at Ford Field. And I want to know from you, Chris, Lions have a dominant defense this season, but you can't see, you can't sleep on the Saints offense. I know they've been a little, they they've seemed to be a little quieter than usual, but you can't count out Drew Brees. They actually are averaging the second highest amount of passing yards this season, 309 yards per game, eighth in rushing yards, shuffling all those running backs out there, 133 rushing yards per game. Something's got to give defense or offense. Who wins that matchup? Saints offense, Lions defense. I, I do believe. Well, here I, I might I might throw a curveball at you. I believe that the Saints will win the matchup against the Lions defense, not by a lot, but I think they will get the best of them. Only not definitely not on the ground. The run defense will not give up an inch. I I don't believe that the Saints backfield can rush for more than any other opponent the Lions have faced this year. But Drew Brees will get his two passing touchdowns through the air. I, I believe that will happen thing that I contest is the Saints defense where the Lions have a pretty good matchup there. Yeah, I do think that the Saints defense is awful. Awful. 25th in the league in pass, opponents passing yards, 16th, middle of the pack on rushing yards per game. I don't see the Lions being able to get a real productive rushing attack out there, but you have to remember this is at Ford Field. I know I don't believe in home field advantage too much, but in this situation, I do where Fans are going to be loud. They're playing Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. And this was a game I had marked, circled on the schedule from the beginning of the season as the Lions' toughest non-divisional game of the season. And it's their most important, in my opinion. I know they're playing San Francisco and Cincinnati later on. Or, no, excuse me, they're not. That's um, looking at the Saints' schedule, excuse me. But I think with the Lions, they need to be able to hold down their defense and stop Drew Brees. Otherwise I don't see them coming out on top and we are going to get to our score predictions in just a couple of minutes, but you, you see with the saints and you mentioned their rushing attack. Um, obviously Darren Sproles is gone, but you, they have Kerry Robinson coming in um, has been really impressive these past few weeks. The rookie riders, uh, the rookie running back and then Pierre Thomas also getting shuffled around in that mix. I don't see the I don't see the Saints running backs being a huge issue for their team. As I mentioned, they are they have rushed for 133 yards per game, and that's not a fluke because that's been against a couple of very good defenses. And so, I think that the Saints are going to come out there, and I think their offense is going to surprise a lot of people. And I mean it. In Lions fans have their hopes really high on their defense right now, but I think those hopes are going to crumble down a little bit watching this game. I think this will be a classic high scoring game between two dynamic offenses. And I'm actually looking for the Lions offense to finally break out of their slump. Even if Calvin Johnson's not out there on the field, I don't believe he will be Reggie Bush might be back against his former team. I think Reggie Bush will be back hundred percent. I really, I sure hope so. I think if the Lions can get Reggie Bush back out there on the field, 
then you're looking at a very high-scoring game. I'm not going to reveal who I think is going to win the game just yet, but I think it's going to be a very, very interesting matchup. Some interesting things to look at is Joe Lombardi and Reggie Bush are playing their old teams. Absolutely. Which is always fun to watch because that player, that specific player, always seems to have a very good game. Those are always interesting to see. On the other hand, the home field advantage will will really work in the Lions' defense uh, in their attack against Drew Brees. If the Lions can get to Drew Brees the way they got to Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints will be nothing. But they will be nothing. You're comparing Drew Brees to Teddy Bridgewater. No, no, I'm comparing the if if the Lions are able to get to Teddy Bridgewater like, or I'm sorry, the Lions are able to get to Drew Brees like they got to Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Brees will not be able. He won't. The Saints' offense will not be able to do anything. If they're in his face sacking him eight times the eight times throughout the game, causing a strip sack fumble, Drew Brees he he's really going to struggle. He'll Drew Brees isn't perfect. He's not going to not throw an interception in the face of Nadamakin Sue. He's going to have a really tough matchup up front. Yeah, I mean I can't disagree with you there. And I mean Drew Brees has had some pretty easy matchups against the Falcons defense, Browns, Vikings, Cowboys, Bucks. Those defenses don't exactly like the world on fire. The Lions defense is by far the best defense they've played this season, but you can't count out Drew Brees. He's lit up the Lions before. We've seen it in the playoffs, and 309 passing yards per game, it's going to be tough for the Lions to stop. And I know we've been praising the Lions secondary, but this is still the same Lions secondary that we were worried had some holes in the beginning of the season, and I think that the Saints could expose that coming into the game. They could. The thing I'm uh, most happy about is that we're facing a Saints team without Jimmy Graham. But that is very true. Jimmy Graham is going to be out for the next couple of weeks, and that's a huge loss for the Saints. Huge loss because there goes Drew Brees' favorite target Yep, by far. And Who, who's the next biggest target? Brandon Cooks? Brandon rookie? Cooks or Marcus Colston? Marcus Colston. It's got to be one of the two. And Kenny Stills? Possibly Kenny Stills, but I think Brandon Cooks is going to be somebody. He'll probably be covered by Darius Slay. You'll see Colston covered probably by Rasheen Mathis. Might shuffle that around a little bit, but... I think you have to be able to stop Cooks and Colston. Otherwise, it's going to be a real rough day for the Lions secondary. It could. So I wanted to get into our score predictions now to finish off the show. And I know Lewis isn't here, but he texted me his score prediction for the Lions-Saints game. Um, And Lewis has a prediction that kind of surprised me. It's a real low-scoring prediction. He has the Lions coming out on top 14-10. to So only allowing one touchdown to the Saints offense. And Lions defense can Lions offense continues its struggles. So that's what Lewis sees. Chris, your prediction. I think there will be a little bit of give and take on both sides. The Lions defense, the Lions number one defense versus Drew Brees. The Lions will give up twenty points to Drew Brees, but Matt Stafford will win the game for the Lions, scoring twenty three points. So you have the Lions twenty three twenty. Twenty three twenty. I think this is a game I mentioned before that the Lions offense, you are finally going to see them reach the potential that fans have wanted them to see all season. Since week one, we haven't really seen that many flashes of big scoring plays from the Lions offense. I know Megatron's probably not going to be out there on the field, but I think the coaches are finally going to be able to get it through Stafford's head to stop locking in on certain receivers. I think we might, I think we're going to see a big day from Eric Ebron, not only golden Tate but Eric Ebron out there, Corey Fuller and Jeremy Ross will get some catches in there as well. And I have the Lions coming out on top 31-27 to 27 at home Ooh. to the New Orleans Saints. 
Lions going undefeated at home so far. Lions going undefeated at home, and I think they're going to continue that until possibly Thanksgiving against the Bears. But we'll get into that in when it comes down to Thanksgiving. But those are our predictions. We'll see if we're correct on Sunday when the Lions take on the New Orleans Saints. And hopefully we'll be back on the air next week celebrating another Lions victory. I'm Michael Heiger, your host. I want to thank Chris Bogus for joining me on the show today, my co-host. Chris, it's always a pleasure. Thank you, Heiger. It's always fun to be here. All right, for sure. Thank you to everybody for listening to the Lions Den here on Impact Sports. And like always, Go Lions!